of a baby than a two-year-old when I'm sick, but not, not that much. <laughs> oh, man, it's how you doing otherwise. Oh, man, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm just chilling here with my, my coffee, or as we call call it here on the Psychosemanticast, our Kofifi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the missus and the little man are off visiting grandma, so I've got a empty house and a, a scared pit bull because there's thunderstorms but oh, okay yeah we're, those are coming back over here pretty soon yeah so if, if something crashes through the door i'm likely not being taken by a black helicopter to a undisclosed site it's probably just my 60 pound dog to sit underneath my chair gotcha but um i guess we can get this little bit out of the way welcome sorry blah, 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 blah. Uh, we are here to talk about 1979's Over the Edge, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, and what the film debut of a Mr. Matt Dillon, uh, and the and his half shirt, you know, yes, in all <laughs> its glory. Um, so uh, luckily for me, on this episode of the Psycho Semanticast. We have a another return guest, Mr. Gary Hill. Yes, that is me. I'm here. Of the, the Cinema Beef and Two Drink Minimum and uh, probably a couple others. That, yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's stuff in the works, you know. There's always, <laughs> so, there's always something happening, you know. Always something, always a side project. It's good to keep busy. <laughs> yes. Um, but you were on, I believe, episode three. In the super early days. It was long ago, yeah. Well, it wasn't that long ago. And yeah. in the before time, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were willing to come back. Whatever, yes. gods you, whatever gods you worship, sir, may they bless you. There is no god. 
Yes, indeed. I'm willing to come back for sure, man. And you brought a movie that uh, I had thought I had seen before. And the best I could get was I would be at probably one of those parties like happens near the beginning of this film. And, uh, you know, I don't think at that point I was smoking hash or anything, but I was probably a little high, a little drunk. There's always that room where people are watching movies and I, parts of it seemed familiar, but I cannot with a clear conscience say that, uh, I have seen, I had seen this film before you brought it up. Um, what, uh, did you just come across it while you're watching movies? Cause I, I know you watch a lot of films for all your shows and you're a big film fan, or did you just say, Hey, that would be a good one to do uh, with Darren. Well, it was one of those ones that, like you said, you, you caught him passing Why well, I caught him passing because they played it on cable a lot back in the day. And, you know, you, you watch that movie then and then you watch the movie years and years later and then you realize, you know, hey, that was that movie that I watched all those years ago on cable. And you, you pay more attention to it then, obviously. You know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not but, it, it, yeah, it, it played a lot on cable. I remember that, if I remember correctly, that it didn't have a, a massive VHS release, but it, it played a ton on, like, HBO and stuff. Yeah, that's what uh, got it back towards people's attention, because I... I thought it had not a big cinema release. Well, it didn't have one at all because they—they, they, I think they pulled it from the theaters because they didn't want the, the same reaction from these these young ruffians that are that, that that hang about, like they had with the Warriors and stuff like that. Because when they, the Warriors came out, it just incited like violence amongst people, I guess, and <laughs> they thought this uh... would make kids go crazy. This movie and. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! It wasn't at the theater very, very long. I think they had a re-release later on or something like that. Like, not too, like a year later or something. Yeah, because, you know, nobody was violent before movies existed. It has been proven, and we will just skip over ever having any discussions about that. This movie, I, I don't want to bury the lead here, but I, I, I don't really, you know, I don't really review movies as a, you know, well-informed person or anything. Um, <clears throat> I really liked this, and I'm glad you picked it. The, uh, the fashion, especially, kind of dates this movie a little bit, the fashion and the bicycles and uh, things. But th the way we, we get going, we meet, um, what, uh, Richie? Played by Matt Dillon, who's kind of the the rogue, the, yeah, tough, the that tough shit talker that we all know and love, you know. Yeah, telling cops they've got a tiny dick and all sorts of stuff. And he's sort of buddies with Carl. I think they become closer as the movie goes. I didn't catch how long Carl had been living there. It's it's only established except for the fact that it's it's still new. And that they're still trying to to attract people to it. So, yeah, and so. yeah, it's certainly known how long any of them lived there, except for the fact that Richie lived in like like the slums. It looked like some Section Eight housing, the big old tenement building, and and Carl lived in like the the, the lap of luxury with his his father, who owned the Cadillac dealership and stuff like that. Yeah, so two two young toughs. 
to be fair, we, we, if, if you're either a Richie or a Carl, one of us had a friend like that, and at least one in high school or, or middle school. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And even, I mean, I think that was one of the things that I really liked about this was that most of the characters were probably somebody we all knew at some point. At least most of the ones with names. It, it does. It does transcend decades as far as that goes. Because yeah. the pers- the personalities there, you know. <laughs> yeah, the bored bored fucking kids, you know, surrounded by adults, kind of not being involved with their kids and not paying attention until it's a problem for them. Those, prop- those property values, man, come on now. Yeah, you got to bring it up. <laughs> you got to shut down that uh that wild rec center where you with play- their couch and their their couch and their pool table, you know. Yeah. and you know where people are just playing pool improperly that is that is one of the things that i picked at was one of the opening shots Uh, i believe carl is getting ready to shoot the eight ball at something maybe he was lining up a shot i'm i'm not i'm one of those people that will pay play more pool when i'm drunk and be better at it when i'm drunk because i i'm I'm not very good at maths (laughs) exactly so basically yeah, we start off with, I think, one of the very first parts of the movie. Uh, it, it establishes the kids are just kind of like roaming around and hanging out, listening to cool music. And uh, two kids on an overpass shooting at cars. I, feet... I've never I've never done this myself, you know, to be all honest. But I've, I've heard of people shooting BB guns over, over, over up overpasses and, you know... Yeah. Not, not, not causing major traffic accidents or anything, you know, but... I can see how it'd be annoying to, to have a, a BB in your windshield and have it had that fixed. Yeah, and you know, going after a cop car was probably a bad choice. I think the first house I lived in, there was a one of those like twenty twenty five mile per hour roads or whatever next to it, and we had a hedge. Once or twice, people would uh, get a, a snow shovel or a snowball. And throw the, like, lob the snowball over the hedge so it would hit the roof of the car when it drove by. But getting chased by one person is enough to uh, get that out of your system. Yes, indeed. And uh, they did, the cop, what is it, Officer Doberman? Is that the main cop? Officer Doberman was the main cop, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't have a kid, but I don't know if you grew up with any cop kids, but all the cop kids that I knew when I was a kid were the ones that did the worst shit. It was like the minister's daughter, sort of. I can't really say, we we had a, my grandmother's neighbor was a, was a police officer, and he, he he had kids, and none of them really got in terrible trouble or anything. But I could see, I could see the distinction there were. You want to rebel against the the exact opposite of you know what spawned you, you know. To, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and maybe there's the little bit more confidence that well, I might get in trouble with my dad, but my dad will get me out of the bigger trouble if exactly should, if there should be any. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to that guy. Uh, the main one. He was actually uh, the first drummer for the first band I ever started, but he didn't get a drum set until we kicked him out of the band and I started playing drums. <laughs> it was one of those, hey, well, I'm going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and we'll have a band. Go. Anyway, we are not here to talk about him because Officer Doberman does not have any kids. Obviously. Uh, he's a little high strung. Something, Something's got him stressed out. I guess it's probably, I didn't check to see if the statistic that rolled over 
um, the beginning about about the vandalism stuff. Yeah, the super high percentage of teenagers and vandalism. I know that the script was maybe a little bit more than loosely based off a article that uh, the scriptwriter read. Yeah, it wasn't as a, I forget what it was, it was mousetrap or some mousetraps or so somewhere along the lines of that. But I don't think that the, the actual news story was as extreme as what happened, you know, with this movie. Yeah, I, th- I think the e- the ending at least was very uh, fabricated. And so Carl and Richie first get fuck first come across uh, Officer Doberman when the kids that actually shot the cop car sort of lead him to all of them. It's not like the the rec center's a secret place or anything, but. Uh, I get there's probably not a whole lot of paths home in that area at the moment. Uh, no, but it did kind of suck that any any he could have grabbed any one of them, and it was kind of stupid of them to go hide when if they crossed the street they would have been at the rec center. But I guess you got to get the movie going. Yeah, just the, the setup that that how uh, I don't know. See Doberman, they Mike White. If you, if you listen to the podcast, you know that he does the Projection Booth podcast with. And they just did a real great episode on this where they had tons of interviews and lots of great stuff on it. He, he, he is an adult and identified with Doberman a bit. And I, and I can almost see this because for, for a town that has not a, lot, a, lot of, not a lot going on for these kids to do, what, what else do they have to do? But, you know, get, get high and have a good time. And it's like him and like that one other guy to, to, to corral the, all these supposed bad kids who want to have a good time. And I can see I'd be a high stress job for him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the teenager, and I guess that's part of the whole junior high thing is the whole in between childhood and adulthood. And you got to sort of treat the kids similarly is on one hand, they're, you know, 13, 14, 15, whatever. On the other hand, somebody shot your car or things that we'll get, things that we'll get to later. Yeah. Um, it's like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know you, you've, uh, you're, you've never really been a drugs guy, uh, but, uh, I, I've, I've, I've done drugs, just not to, to, to the extent of, uh, what these kids are doing. Cause <laughs> these kids got a line on everything. You know, I I don't know where they're where they're getting it from, except for like the little snitch kid, which yeah. you want to punch, you want to kick that kid in the balls towards the end of the movie. Oh, so hard. The the one they called Tip in the movie was the one that supplied the drugs to all the kids in New Granada, apparently, because he can get you whatever you need, apparently, if with the right phone call. Yeah, and he'll and he'll fucking just tell on anybody. The Weasley drug dealing snitch. In kid form, he's he's, he's the he's the little blonde midget in this movie. You know, it's just just selling the dope, <laughs> oh, talking gosh. about talking about inflation and market value and shit of of of, of hashish. Yeah. He's quite he's quite economic. That tip character, <sighs> you know. Jeez, dude. Yeah, I mean, probably at that age, I didn't start regularly smoking cigarettes until I was maybe sixteen, and I quit a few years ago. But yeah, drug drug wise, at that point. Um, there was some drinking and, uh, definitely a lot of pot, but hash, I don't think I did hash or no. Anyway, allegedly, where did you guys hang out and fuck around? Oh, like in middle school? Yeah. I didn't do too much hanging out in middle school. It it all happened like 
late later high school and like like post high school like those 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 couple of years after but we would mostly hang out uh my friend rico had a pretty epic place rico. his mom's house had a sunroom and she uh she worked for entomans so Ooh. it's like a stoner's paradise and she shopped at sam's club a lot so if, if you want to get high in the sunroom Odds are there was lots of cakes and, and frozen chicken cutlets for you to eat when when you were hey, got the munchies. <laughs> so Rico's place was key. Yeah, you know, on any any holiday you could think of, New Year's, you know, friends' birthdays, Halloween parties, you you go over there because there's food. There's lots of food. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good time. My my friend Roger's house, we would hang out over there. He would you know mix. Mix alcohol in a sports jug. I didn't ask what was in it, but it, it, it got you pretty tight after like one or two of them. And it, but yeah, just just like you know, not, nothing major. I, I still remember the one time that I mean, this is probably the biggest mistake of my life ever was probably doing doing whippets at my friend Roger's house on New Year's Eve, <laughs> and, and then Baptists came to our door and said that we're going to hell. We don't go to church on Sunday. I was like, well, okay, have a good day. You know, <laughs> see you there. <laughs> If you ever been to Hammond, Indiana, the, the Hammond Baptist Church is, I, I'd say it's a good two city blocks large with all of its buildings. It's it's, it's like massive. a compound. It it is, and they drive they drive their buses as as far as 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 far as, as, far as they want to go to pick up people to go to church. You know. Wow. So was it like strict West Craven Baptist, where you couldn't really watch movies and stuff, or the more singy? Singing. I've, ne- I've never been, but I imagine they're the more singing ones, I guess, because I, I don't, although I'd like to think there's a cult in there that I don't know about, but, you know, <laughs> in, in my mind's eye, I, I don't think there actually is, though. Oh. Although there, there there's enough people to uh, to surpass Jonestown by about, about 25 uh, times, so. Hey, Kool-Aid! Oh, there could be there could be some Kool Aid to be had in there at some point in time when, when the big one's gonna fall. <laughs> <laughs> when the Hail Bop comet comes back around, get your get your sneakers on, kids. We're going for a ride. In junior high, there was a lot of hanging out on uh, unused baseball fields, dugouts, and uh, you know there was always some place uh, skate park or makeshift skate park where, you know, we all would hang out and, you know, duck behind a tree or go into the woods if there's a woods nearby to, to do stuff. Uh, friend, for friends' houses, like your friend Rico, um, this was more high school. Uh, I had a friend, Josh, who lived near our high school, and we had open lunch. And I think I talked about this a little bit with uh, Dwayne from Watch, Read, Listen, um, because he he didn't have open lunch or anything like that. I don't know if that's a normal. Uh, oh, we thing. we had op- we had open lunch at Hammond High when I went there, and okay. there was a there was a taco house, like a taco place across the way, and Ooh. and that's where all that's where all those kids got high over there. Oh, you know, nice. <laughs> perfect. Uh, we we didn't have we didn't have well there were a couple restaurants nearby, but closest was that friend's house and his mom always knew that we were going to go there for lunch during the week so she would just have 
loaves and loaves of bread and jars of peanut butter and jam and we that's some good that's some good eating right there man yeah so we'd we'd get high on the way make our sandwiches hang out go back but yeah you know just kids dicking around you know i generally see drugs as one of those uh victimless crimes unless you know you have an addiction problem and then you're the victim should be treated more like a sick person than a criminal but yeah the kids are bored the natives are restless and uh they they have one of those basement parties where people are making out over here and everybody's smoking tips hash then what carl sort of hits on a girl who is making out with tip was that who she no, was no 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 um, or claude. what's that kid what's his name no it wasn't claude it was the one it was the one the one that that, that shot uh doberman's car and uh, i forget his name now but ba- basically he tells him he, he, he has to make sure to really cement the fact that, that he didn't tell on him to the cops you guys got a lot of laws right well, let me tell you something. I only got one law. A kid who tells on another kid is a dead kid. Well, that's a good rule, kid. Yes, sir. It'll serve you well in jail someday. Damn straight. Or yeah. else he'd be, he be eating he be eating lunch through a, through a tube, he says. <laughs> so, so I guess to really cement the fact that, that he shouldn't be hitting on that girl and, and to cement the fact that he, he shouldn't tell on him to the cops he, just to really lay it in. Him and his blonde hoodlum friend just beat the fuck out of poor Carl, you know, in, in the park. You know? <laughs> yeah, like right next to a the jungle gym or something. Uh, yes. Yeah, totally beat the fuck out of him. He's busted up the whole rest of the movie. It is but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that then? I know the rest of the movie doesn't span too long, but I mean, he's mm-hmm. he couldn't even sneak past his parents. He was so fucked up. Yeah. That night or the next day is when his dad and the, the city folk uh, talk about closing down the rec center because it's a den for hoodlums and crooks. and Don't forget social deviants, man. Social yeah, there's lots deviants. of those. Dude. Lots of those. Layabouts. Yes. Uh, possibly a few stumble bums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of adjectives, sir. <laughs> <laughs> gotta really, gotta really lay it in how shitty these kids are, though. Yes, they must be stopped. They must be <laughs> contained at all costs, because all hail the mighty property value. See, if it was now, they'd all be on behavioral meds, you know. Yeah, throw some lithium in there. Hey, kids, hey, got kids, some Kool Aid t- for t- you. Speaking of Kool Aid, <laughs> t- Tip's got some brand new hash with a secret ingredient. C- c- come get some, you know. <laughs> Just the kids of the K-hole. Yes. So they send their dog, uh, Sergeant Doberman, to, what, do a bunch of stop and frisks, basically? 
Yeah, just check him out. Well, you, know, you find out later he already knew who to look for, so. Yep. There's... Because, you know, because Tip, Tip is an asshole, so. <laughs> I got this rat, this annoying, heating fucking rat. And it brings up questions. You know, maybe he was getting his stuff from Doberman. Could be. You know, uh, small town the... cops often do the side job of uh, peddling confiscated wares. Mm-hmm. I don't know about often, but at least in movies, often. What's the lady? Julia? Was that the the cool adult in the movie, or what, so to speak? That runs yeah, they're, the, they're, yeah, they're the, the their buddy that, that runs the rec center. Her name was, um, yeah, Julia was her name in the movie. Okay. And she's, you know, she's upset. And she's like, come on, guys. You don't know what they're like. You turn them loose with nothing to do, nowhere to ride out there, <laughs> ride off, ride out their trips. Uh, all, all those, all those hormones, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't, if you don't let them rub each other, they're gonna rub you the wrong way, pal. Uh, somebody, somebody should put that on a poster, man. <laughs> put it up at all the schools. Yeah. Rub yourselves so you don't rub us the wrong way. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, that that might be a attempted. <laughs> And possibly failed Photoshop later. <laughs> Not to draw any attention to himself. This is when Richie jumps on top of the cop car, I believe. Yes. Forget what he said. Probably something along the lines of "fuck you, pig." Well, he's, he's really trying to distract uh, Sar- Sar- good old Sergeant Doberman there because he's he's really manhandling my man Claude there, who just. Wants to be high all the time. He, uh, you gotta love Claude because he's just a mellow dude. Yeah, and he's you know getting getting manhandled by this cop, and R- Richie does what he does as as a friend. God, he's just that friend. He's just that friend that he, people say is ba- bad or ignorant, and but he, he he'll go bad for it. He went to bad for Carl in this scene by distracting you know Doberman by jumping on top of his car. So he pulls a little bit of a John Bender there yeah yeah a couple a couple people i talked to really really don't like john hughes so i try not to bring it up well well i'm i'm from uh illinois illinois where there is no Shermer in illinois but you know <laughs> <laughs> here we are you know i come yeah. from the place where everybody says that their cousin was in that parade scene in ferris bueller you know I'm like oh, okay yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> they were That's shaking the it up baby they were shaking it up baby man wasn't really a whole lot of things uh, take place or shot here. I think the most famous movie character from Ohio is Freddy Krueger. Obviously. Um, but then, I mean, a close second or third or fifth would be Howard the Duck. Uh, and he's pretty important, no matter what anybody <laughs> says about him, you know. Yep. He put Cleveland on the map. Uh, With some good tunes and some, and some quack foo, man. That's right. And some... Sexy Leah Thompson. You've got a lot of love for Leah Thompson here. That's my that's my candy right there, man. Her and her and Annie Potts. Yes, <laughs> gotta love Annie Potts. And from what I hear, great ladies all around. Yes. Was uh was Claude the one that was tripping balls in the art class uh, yes. exam? <laughs> and he should have. He should have never dropped that acid, man. <laughs> <laughs> Claude will never do acid again after that that scene. No, I well, I think that was was that a Salvador Dali, uh, 
painting that they they had to uh, analyze. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, <laughs> and from what I understood, it was just one painting, and you had the whole class to write about it. That's yeah, that's enough to turn a man off. I don't know. Can, can Claude hold a pen at that point? At that point, he just was like you know falling over. He was uh... a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. What did he say? He thought he was taking speed, which. I guess that might help in an essay. Yes. Uh, but it was, it was like the part in Basketball Diaries where Writers on the Storm comes on and they all suck at basketball because uh, <laughs> they took the wrong drug. Uh-oh. That stuff I took. It was supposed to be speed, but I think it was acid. I'll flash it. Really? Claude, who I believe is the older brother of the the mute weird yeah, the skateboarding mute. kid. I love Johnny so much, man. Yeah. He's got such personality for somebody who doesn't say anything in the whole movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, and for and he's probably one of the younger kids in the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that was one of the things that really stood out was how how much, like you said, how much personality, how much of a character he was. And just with his body, simple gestures. Usually you don't get that sort of stuff out of a kid. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows what their parents do? There's not a lot of parents in the movie except for the parent meetings. Well, they, they seem like they're good parents because they're they're always talking about oh we gotta get home for dinner. Mom's making stuffed peppers. We want to miss we want to miss that, huh, Johnny? You know I, <laughs> I love that man. You know. <laughs> Richie's mom was cool, but working like a hundred jobs to raise her and at least one sibling. Um, oh yeah. On the set of Newsies. On the set of Newsies, yes. Over there, were you, were, you, were, were you waiting for a musical number to erupt? You know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was enough kids swinging around from the the fire escape and everything. I I was wasn't sure if they'd start clanging, you know, rusty cans up against the guardrail and or the <laughs> the banister, or whatever it's called. Uh, Carl's parents are the t- sort of the tight asses but they are willing to learn i feel like you know uh, you can tell that it's generally an okay family or at least well mom's mom you can tell is your classic trophy wife to where she, she'll she'll do stuff for carl but at the same time it's it's kind of dad's house dad's rules kind of deal but like the time that you know we, we mentioned before where carl gets beat up by andy and the, the blonde kid and um, she, she she says that they take your money, and then she she's the type of mom that would give you twenty bucks to say, you know, do you have any money kind of deal, but might hear about it later from dad. You know, why are you giving him so much money for that kind of deal? And but yeah, dad 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 liked to drink uh, a, a, after work, which which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, it was but, but still a lot more common back then. I think they never really forayed into. Carl's dad's alcoholism, how bad it was or anything. Just the fact that he's just got a lot of, he's got a lot of stress in his job, honey. You know how many times have you heard that in a movie? You know? <laughs> yeah. Just real stressed like, out at work. Dad's an asshole because he's really stressed out at work. <laughs> because you young ruffians are fucking up his shit. 
You know, he's just trying to sell some shit. He's trying to make that paper. <laughs> Got to hustle. Trying to sell that property. Those, <clears throat> those, those, those unbuilt uh, condos and such. Yep. You moved the stones, but you left the bodies. Definitely. It's, it's, that, it's, kind that, kind of, it's that kind of place. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know with the condos and everything going up and down i feel like uh what he sees that they're not putting in the movie theater and the roller rink or the bowling alley or whatever they're putting in more houses more places for people less stuff for people to do except for break into half-built houses and stuff and uh i feel like that's that's pretty common in a lot of the uh well, I don't know about pretty common, but <clears throat> like in Weeds, there was a one or two. If you ever watched that show, oh, yeah. uh, there was one or two party houses where the kids all went. I feel like there was a, a thing like that in uh, what Return of the Living Dead two or three. Oh, in part two, yeah, there was a big old construction area there. So they set up camp where uh, the kids break. Cor- somebody broke in, like Corey and her friend broke into a house or took a gun from one of their parents' houses. I forget where they got the gun from, but I know I know it was from Corey and her her her, her blonde friend. Yeah, they 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 got the gun from her, yeah. and you know for for no reason, just to I guess let off some steam because I've never been to the range before, but I hear it's a good stress reliever, you know, to to, to blow off a few rounds at the range. It, <laughs> it is actually, um, you know, I'm not I'm not a big gun person, mm-hmm. but. I, I learned how to use them. I've got friends that like to use them. I've had friends that have their bachelor parties start out at the shooting range. And, um, yeah, it's it's kind of scary and kind of wonderful. Uh, I don't know if that the scariness of it ever changes, but um, it's like I, I grew up really liking uh, fireworks. My dad was uh-huh. really into fireworks. And uh, in our neighborhood, it was relatively okay. That was the first time I was ever in the back of a cop car, uh, was fireworks related. Yeah, definitely the, the shooting range is, is interesting. I don't know if you have one near you or if you have any friends that are into it, but it's a, it's a cool stress relief. And, you know, everyone that I've been to has been relatively, not cautious is the right word, but uh, unless you have a, like a conceal and carry license or something like that, or something that proves that you've shot a lot of guns or something. You have to sit in the room for like twenty minutes and watch a safety video. So it's not like, here's a gun, go kill shit. <laughs> yeah, and I've never been myself. I know a lot of folks who who do go to the range. There's a place in Indiana actually where you could fire um you could fire the big guns, the big M sixteens and stuff like that. You could fire, you know, just I know it's it's like far away from everything. So mm. But I mean I mean I am not a, I'm also not telling you you need to go shoot a gun. What is the thing in uh, movies or storytelling where it's the saying, if you introduce a gun in Act 1, you better use it? Not Tchaikovsky's gun. Uh, damn, that's going to bother me. Here we are introduced to the gun. Yeah, um, the gun, the, the the catalyst, if you will, that really, really sparks a fire, if you will, where the, these kids were using it to, to, do, to blow off steam, basically, when you, like, they, like they do anything. They they really know where to do to blow up steam, but you know the these kids gonna blow up steam somehow. And they they thought that you know fire fire in this gun, which is like oh, you got a gun, it's so cool. And he's like, I bet I get a hundred fifty dollars for it. Like I don't think you can in nineteen seventy eight, but it's a good try, you know, good good try. Yeah, and of, of course you know they, they go go do that, and they 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 feel 
really good after they fire the gun. Got, I don't you know, and uh, and it it, it 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 bites one of them in the ass later on in the movie that they're having this gun <laughs> because of course <laughs> our friend Tip, our, our, our dealer, so they they go to confront him about uh, about Claude telling on Claude, and Tip immortally tells on them because <clears throat> um. Carl overhears it when he's in his, his science class that they're looking for Richie, and Richie has a gun, so Carl and Richie go on the run. They're going to run away from home, and that's when all the bad stuff starts to happen because Doberman, again, you know? <laughs> yep. That dog's got some bite. He does. And he's not a dumb cop. He does some dumb things, but he's a... I mean, he finds them pretty quick. I think he's, what, showing up at the school, or maybe it's the other cop showing up at the school right when uh, Carl is sneaking out. Mm-hmm. And they borrow Richie's mom's car. Speaking of uh, OJ recently getting out of jail, there is uh, a Bronco chase. That's a great-looking Bronco, uh, by the way. I, I love that car. <laughs> yeah. The secret joint in the uh, in the ashtray. That'll last us like three weeks, man. You know, <laughs> I don't think so, but you know, yeah, that, that was, was like a that, that was like a piece of a joint. You know? Yeah, it'll start tasting like shit after the second or third relight. <laughs> yes, but you know, kids, they're gonna make a break for it, and uh, Richie is a lot better of a driver than I expected him to be, but it's not good enough. And still, like you said, he's that kind of friend. Immediately, he says, run the other way. He can't chase both of us. Mm -hmm. Of course, Doberman goes after Richie because he's sort of had it out for him in the beginning. It's uh, that's that's Richie's sort of uh, character arc is uh, which he would repeat later. In the Outsiders. Yeah, yes, yes. I watched Rumblefish today. He has some pretty good. He has some chops early on. Yeah. This this, this Matt Dillon character, you know. I, I had read somewhere that, and I think this probably cemented him getting the job, was that he went to the audition as an excuse to skip school. He mm-hmm. didn't really care about getting the movie. And I think that's, <clears throat> that's Richie. That's, that's, that's probably, hopefully he said that. <laughs> and that that would have made me give him the job right away. But yeah, he's gets the warning shot, which uh what, an up in the air shot, and then he pulls out the empty gun, points it at Doberman, and that is the end of Richie in body, but not in spirit. No. Uh and that now the Doberman, you know, except for, you know, Literally running them off the road, he went to a little extreme there as, as far as chasing them like a psychotic person. But the fact that Richie had the gun out, you know, it, it had been totally justified now that that he he would he would shoot Richie if Richie pointed the gun at him, and he did. You know, yeah, so yeah, he pulls uh, pulls it out, points it forward. Poor decisions made by all. So we see Richie. Richie goes down. It's pretty apparent that he is dead. There's not a squib exploding or anything like that. I think that no. might've been a bit much, even though it was the seventies. Oh, did this, this didn't come out until the eighties or yeah. Cause of the release. 
uh, the I, I think release. the re- I think the, it was initially released in 70, 79, I think. And I want to say, like, uh, it wasn't long before they re-released it, I don't think. Like, maybe, like, a year later or something. Because the initial release, it, was, it wasn't in theaters very long. So, yeah, that, that might have been a bit much to depict shooting a teenager. Especially the stuff that they're trying to avoid happening. Uh, the filmmakers weren't necessarily oh, yeah. trying to avoid this happening because they didn't maybe oh. think of it. But It, it was enough, you know, because it was... Uh... Because you get the scene soon after where, of course, Carl's on the run now, and he may, he makes the call to Claude's house, like, like his, <laughs> his second best friend. Of course, Johnny answers the phone. Johnny doesn't talk, you know, we've mentioned before. So he makes him tap the phone once for yes and two for no, and it's 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 just simple enough. It's it's just enough for me mm-hmm. that you know to, for him to confirm with Johnny that 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 Richie's dead. You know, except like like, like you said, like. Oh, we don't need a big squib because you, you don't need that because you get the scene after and you, you're kind of like justified that, that he heard it from a friend that mm-hmm. that that his friend you know did, didn't make it. Heard it from a friend who. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that it was a little bit more of a serious moment, but I couldn't help myself. No, it's a Ario fits in most places. Uh, but much <laughs> much like much like Cheap Trick in this movie fits in most places, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like especially Johnny. Johnny could have grown up to be in Cheap Cheap Trick. Yes, I I could totally see that. So yeah, he finds out that Richie is dead, and uh, well, he stays. He he doesn't plan on going home, right? He well, he goes home to get some supplies. Is that before or after uh, he spends the romantic evening in the abandoned half-built house with? Uh, this is before, because like right after he goes, uh, I think it's before, because I know the the same the, the night of, you know that that after him and Corey spend the night together, is when all the all the bad stuff happens at the parents meeting at the school, you know. Within twenty four hours, uh, Carl sneaks home, overhears his parents talking about. I, I always found Maude a bit more attractive than uh, Mrs. Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. If we're going into it. But, uh, yeah, cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. I guess before we get into the uh, the climax of the film and the rest of our conversation, uh, let's let's take a little break here and play some rad promos for some rad shows. And uh, we will be right back in just a few minutes. Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary, I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes, where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? 
Or you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Hey, you like podcasts about food? Well, how about chains? Boy, howdy, are you in luck? <laughs> I'm Cootie. My name is X, and you might know us from the wildly successful Kiss the Goat podcast. But when we're not drinking fine white wine and helling Satan, we're watching animal attack movies. Holes in the ozone layer. Giant rodents. Packs of wild creatures roaming the streets in search of the most dangerous prey. Humanity. Join us and a special guest animal expert. I'm going to have your health inspector, Bad Grabowski. Hi, I'm Allison. I've tried a lot of stuff. You never smashed an ant and smelled it? Every other Thursday on the food chain, where nature runs amok and mankind is always on the menu. That's the food chain, exclusively on the Legion Podcast Network. Animal attack, bitches! Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now for something completely different. Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck yeah yeah! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck yeah yeah! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! Fuck yeah yeah! Fuck the kids! Fuck the kids! We're getting ready for the big showdown. Um, I feel like the, uh, this, this probably influenced, uh, pump up the volumes, uh, parent meeting and the meeting and disturbing behavior quite possibly. A lot of of them. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, all, all the, uh, the town elders get together in a centralized location, which is never good. And within a story, it's never good for themselves when you get all of anybody in one spot. Let's see what the mayor the mayor that drives the uh, the fancy old car. Fancy old car, yes, indeed. He's there. Uh, the parents are starting to sort of turn on each other, and order. You know, Nietzsche says, "Out of chaos comes order." Oh, blow it out your ass, Howard. Blame each other's kids, which you know happened. I I don't know how many. Uh, friends i had that got me to do stuff and their parents thought i was the bad influence i i think i think it's important for this scene to do where they they all start treating each other that nobody's really wrong except for the guy that's worried about the the mayor that's worried about the property values you know that, 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 that there's something wrong with the teacher shouts out in the scene that you know when parents night comes then you guys show up so why you bitching now for uh-huh you got Carl's dad finally, finally standing up for his son because he's generally worried, you know, about his welfare and where he is. And of course, Doberman, you know, I, I, I didn't ask for this kid to be on drugs. I didn't ask for this kid to pull a gun on me. Like, well, the first part is, is kind of irrelevant, but you know, the second part, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it, it, they're they're all not really wrong in what they say in this scene. And that that's another part of the whole timeless this, thing. It's a lot of pass in the buck, you know, but but in in, in totally justified ways. You know? Yeah, we we all have a part of this buck. It's not just yours, Doberman, and it's not just Mayor Fancy Car. It's not the it's not the teachers. 
It's yeah, it's everybody's. And we, we, uh, we, we've all had that friend. I, I, I was that friend who, whose parents were never home because they worked two or three jobs. You know, it, it, yeah. it's just it's just that you know they, they're not around. They don't give a shit, or, or they don't give a shit one of the two. But you know, and they 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 play it off pretty well in this in, in this scene where. Again, everybody just trying to pass the buck on the other on the, on the other person. And like, you know, now you're to blame. Now you're all to blame. It's all it's all a, a centralized things. You know, the kids are bored. The kids are restless, and, and nobody sees it because they're all living their adult lives. You know, and the kids are you know sort of reflections of their parents. I I, I feel like uh, there's at least one scene where Tip's mom rats everybody out. Uh, she rats out all the kids that accosted Tip. Yeah, and not, not knowing that her son's like a little Pablo Escobar of, of New Granada, you know, <laughs> just, just just selling dope to the masses. Yep. My angel was accosted by the stumblebum ruffian hooligan, whatever else. <laughs> whatever. JD, <laughs> whatever, JD whatever, greaser, whatever, whatever adjective you want to throw in there. He's my perfect little angel. Naturally, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, he's he's uh he's all set. You know, he's the golden boy, the surfer kid. I think they're in. Uh... I, I I can see the deleted scene where mom picks up the phone bill. It's like, who are you calling in Venezuela, honey? <laughs> uh, nobody, mom. Uh, you know, I am cr- <laughs> calling my grandfather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, what can be done about these children? That we are not paying attention to right now, gathering, uh, gathering outside and organizing. Was it Carl that said, "Let's go to the school and confront everybody"? Well, well, I think Carl met met everybody. You know, there's that scene where he, he he walks up with Corey, and of course everybody's, "Hey, you know, one of those, those one of those classic, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Hey, he's back, yada yada yada." I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, let's let's go do this now because they're having the big fancy schmancy meeting, and I don't think Carl expected it to get out of is out of hand as he did. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> and I guess I skipped over uh, the part where while he's on the run, Carl sees um, one of the kids that mugged him. Oh yeah, and he shoots him with his own gun, his own pellet gun. Yeah, and. Immediately gains his uh, respect and uh, sage advice of fighter against the system. They realize that they're they have more in common than they have apart. It's uh, a pretty important scene too, I think. You know, yeah, sitting on the muddy log. <laughs> it's, it's very rare that you know that you get to identify with your bully. You know, it's 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 not the gooch on different strokes or anything, but uh. <laughs> <it's> a... <laughs> I just, I just love that in 80s TV, we have characters called the Gooch, Boner, and Cockroach, you know? Yeah. Oh. That's a spinoff show that never happened. <laughs> That'd be better than two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, you know? The Gooch, the Boner, and the Cockroach? There you go, man. Somebody write that shit. <laughs> it's the prequel to uh, the reboot for Three Men and a Baby. There you go. I I have no idea. I've never been in a junior high set up like that where there's, I guess that's probably where the the choir or the band put on performances or something. It seemed like a a sunken auditorium of sorts, but like right in the middle of the school where usually they're they're on the side. 
Well, I'd, I'd imagine that they built this from the ground up to to attract you know people and their families. Say, look at this fancy junior high school we have with it. A, 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 a fuck, they got a goddamn botany room, you know, and and, and sit in the science lab, you oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine they built all these fancy amenities for to attract families to move into New Granada. It's is especially like. Not, not so much anything else, but this fancy schmancy uh, middle school is 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 tops. <laughs> or were, were they were they never were they never clean graffiti or they never uh, you know do anything? Yeah, superficially, all that you need. Yes, indeed. Uh, to have two and a half all kids of, and all all in one place. Yeah, and I, I missed it, and maybe it was there, and you saw it, but uh, I was expecting there to be pot plants being secretly grown in the botany room. Yeah, you'd think so, but yeah, not not, not New Granada Junior High School, fancy schmancy, you know. Tip doesn't shit where he eats. No, Tip definitely does not shit where he eats, no. He's going <laughs> to keep that nose clean no matter what. He's got to keep that image. Allows him to operate so smoothly in a town. But it's, not, it's, it's not really smart, though, because when most people know that he's a snitch, he won't buy drugs from him anymore, so it kind of puts him out of business. He's gonna have to wait till college, and then he'll be that guy. So like, that fucking guy's a narc. Let's go <laughs> to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know. I could see Carl. This could be the beginning of uh, Carl's godfatherness when he when he uh, comes out the other side. Who was it? If you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Um, mm-hmm. That first thought to lock up, lock the gate, lock the. Uh, they they don't really say. It's just the all of a sudden the kids just start popping up on the different like closing like the metal gates to, for the exit and you'd think they'd hear you know big noises like those things aren't quiet okay yeah right you think these parents would hear the noise of those those loud metal gates closing and so they're putting giant chains and locks on the on the things. But like we said before, they were all just shouting back and forth at each other. So while while this was going on, these kids were just like locking up this place like Fort Knox. Yeah. Because I'd imagine they're in some kind of isolated auditorium. Yeah. They they weren't getting out of there easily the way they had these things set up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they lock the gates. Parents can't hear it over the sound of their own outrage. Um, I think they locked that one. There was that one glass door. Which, uh, I, if I was a parent, that would have got one of the chairs thrown through it right quick. Yeah. Um, so the kids are all gathering. They're getting ready. It's almost as tense as the before the battle for Helm's Deep. smashed cars yeah they're going running through the halls like rock and roll high school i guess rock and roll high school is more like that i think i can't remember when that came out anyway yeah well to to, to be fair riff randall does blow up the school you know that that's these kids don't quite go to that extreme you know yeah somehow our our friend riff who i who just had a birthday had birthday pj you know (laughs) she 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 got a hold of some dynamite in the Ramones, and she blew up the school real good, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what happens. I think uh, Miss Togar showed the explosivity of mice when re uh, when uh, uh, exposed to to punk music. One of my favorite scenes in any movie <laughs> that where the giant mouse shows up at the concert and <laughs> there's so many little jokes in that movie, like where the guy, they're all standing in line. It's like, dude, he look, he's a scalper, and there's the guy just dressed like an Indian and with a tomahawk for no reason. It's racist as hell, but I can't help but get a laugh out of it, you know. They, they didn't know it was racist in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, and the, what, the mouse has... Oh, I've got headphones. Oh, okay. Like, oh, you can't go in without those. Oh, okay, you're good. You know. They're trashing their, their permanent records <laughs> that used to be the big threat against kids. Oh, yeah. It's gonna go on your permanent record, which, I don't know. They're probably burning all the microfiche, you know? Yes. <laughs> Uh, no back, no back issues of the 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 new Granada Press for these kids to read anymore. Yeah, they'll be they'll be lost, lost to the times, lost history. Tearing up the whole reference section. Those books you can't take out, brother. But then, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop talking about the library. But <laughs> they do destroy the library, and, and Claude gets a nice array of, of of headphones to steal. You know. Oh yeah. It's- <laughs> draped over him like he's, he's just covered in headphones i was like are you gonna sell those on the corner or something claude god damn <laughs> how many he, pairs do you need he rocks so hard he goes through a set of headphones a week probably oh yeah man it's all, it's all that cars music man so yeah a little bit of looting a little bit of looting going on some smashing up the the trophy cases uh i don't know if that's we're trashing what you tell us is important or something like that. I don't know. Um, Little girls get a hold of the intercom, which is something we've all wanted to do deep down inside. You know. <laughs> Forget what they say, but it's sort of something an em- about go to your room or stay out of the bathroom or something like that. Just, just really whiny, annoying voices. But yeah. from what I hear, the, those girls were just improving that shit. But I thought it was hilarious. You know. Yeah. And in a horror movie, it would have been extremely creepy. But yes. In in the chaos that is the the sacking of New Granada Junior High, it was just fucking hilarious. And um, around then, I think is when the kids start setting shit on fire outside. I think the parents finally notice. Julia, I think the the cool lady from the rec mm-hmm. hall. She she sees Johnny. Yeah, Johnny skateboarding through the halls, and mm-hmm. it's like, hey man, do you think? Can I have that phone? And, you know, Johnny's cool. He doesn't see a problem with it. He's like, yeah, here. With, you know. Yeah, because the one, the one person in town they trust, that's her. That, that's about it. You know. I was starting to get a little worried that um, she was going to be, like, the teacher in Carrie that tried to help and died anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I get that, yeah. Is this gonna be the one? Then the the shit really gets crazy outside. They they burn up the mayor's car. Uh, they bust open the cop cars. They get the guns out of the trunk, man. They get the guns out. It's it's uh, it's one of those universes where if you shoot a car once, it explodes. 
And that really gets things going. That's that perfect aim, you know. Right to the right to the stick of dynamite in the gas tank. Yes. Somebody gets knocked out. It's Corey. Corey uh, gets gets amidst one of the explosions and eventually mm. you don't see her for a while because she 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 she's uh she almost gets blown up. <laughs> yeah, Corey almost blowed up. People are starting to scatter. The parents bust out. They do bust out through the door, or do more cops show up? God, I just watched this this morning. Again. No, they, they 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 do they do get out themselves from the inside. That's when the kids start to scatter. Everybody's looking for the people, and cool as hell, Claude's like, "Yeah, I'll take you home, Corey." After he's been shitting out of the whole movie, you yeah. Know? <laughs> But but after a while, even Claude sees, you know, much like Carl does, that you know this is just this is just being taken too far. So at least Claude, Johnny, and Corey have the good sense to 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 sod off and to say, okay, yeah. I guess it's time to leave now. You know, we we, we, we get the, you get the end scene of this movie. You, you see why they're the only ones hanging around still. You know what Doberman wants to find Carl. He's already. Now that uh, Richie's out of the way, he knows that Carl is sort of the the first head of the Hydra and gets him in the back of the cop car and runs into the the ambush by the oh, rec yeah. center. And Mark was Mark the uh, the kid that shot the car at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, yeah, that was the same kid. That that was uh, his bully. That that was the guy that they they, they had seen together. Yeah. yeah, Mark. Mark was the man with with the with the with the Davy Crockett hat on. You know, yes, the coonskin cap. So this was the the second. There were two Chekhov's guns. I finally remembered the phrase. There were two Chekhov's guns in this movie. There was the one that ended up being Richie's downfall, and the one that was even before that, the pellet gun. That um, the downfall of Doberman, who I I assume dies in the massive explosion that results from his car getting shot him crashing into that oddly placed giant propane tank outside the rec center i'd imagine they're they're out in the middle of nowhere that they use propane a lot for energy and stuff that's true that's a good point so i'd imagine that that's why they had that massive you know thing of propane there (laughs) There's the bit of danger. The dynamic duo may become a trio. The queen of diamonds aims high. Find out tomorrow whether she misses or misses. Same back time, same back channel. And hang on to your rice. Will Carl get out of the car? He does. Doberman's too passed out and too big to get out, which, you know, that's not his responsibility, I guess. And then, what, the giant explosion that ensures that the rec center will not be opening anytime soon. Nope. And then the next day, further lack of a need for the rec center shows what I assume is a day or two later. I, I don't know how expedited the, the process was, but Carl and a couple of the other people are getting on the bus, well, the juvenile well, they, detention bus. Yeah. They constantly talk about in this movie. You know, and in, in, in Doberman, like I said, it's kind of hard not to side with Doberman at some points because he, he there's there's the whole scene where him and Richie get arrested in the beginning of the film where he, he has a whole conversation with Carl basically saying, oh, it's too late for Richie. But, you know, Carl, you, you, you can do this is the point in your life. And it's true. At 15 years old, 
you know, you should know that's to be like the turning point of which way you're going to go. Are you going to be a fucking shithead? Are you going to be a a normal functioning member of society? (laughs) And this place, the Hill, which they never explain what it is. We had like, like you said, Darren, it has to be some kind of like juvenile detention center. It's, it's, it's not jail, but it's like, like little, like little boy jail, you know, maybe, maybe a high security boys home or something. Exactly. Um, I'd imagine, I'd imagine some kind of house arrest bracelets are, are involved. Yeah, I'd imagine. You know, I'm just thinking the worst here for these kids because they're all going there at the end of this movie. Yeah. With the, with the exception of Corey, uh, Cla- Claude, and Johnny. Waving down the overpass from whence the movie began. Yeah, began, yes. Hopefully it's early enough in the summer that whatever their sentences were, they got out in time to start the school year anew with a regained appreciation for their freedoms Mm -hmm. but yeah the hill is sort of that mystic place where they send you in this movie i know i switched high schools halfway through my sophomore year and at the new high school a lot of people thought i was from one of those uh sort of minimum security kids things Mm -hmm. Uh, god i can't remember the name of the place um but yeah, it was, you know, you had curfews and you pretty much could only get out for, for school or for work. And uh, I met one of the kids from there. Probably why they thought I was from there was because the other guy that was all about punk that uh, was in my grade was one of the people from there. And, you know, cool dude. This was the 90s. So there were a lot of plaid suit jackets and chain wallets involved. Uh in the especially among the skaters and stuff there but yeah he i forget what the hell he said he had done but it was basically yeah some some dumb shit that carl and i don't think he blew up a bunch of cop cars uh i think they probably got off light in the movie considering i think what would happen now if uh a bunch of non-wealthy kids trashed a parking lot full of cars and there what there'd probably be what Illegal imprisonment, destruction of property, all sorts of assaulting an officer. There's a lot of pla- a lot more places that they send kids like that now than I'm sure there was back in those days. One of the last shots of the movie, uh, Carl smiles. Do you think it's a smile of, yeah, I'm a badass, or hey, there's my friends, I'm going to have friends when I come out? Well, I'm a mushroom cloud-laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Every time my fingers touch brain, I'm super fly TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. Or something well, else. Well, it's the friends thing, and then you get you get the scene at the end where, where they're, they're taking away in handcuffs and being put on this bus. But Carl's stopped by his parents, and he could finally see that he has the acceptance of his father. And I think that makes him, you know, happy. His father sort of understands what, his situation now, and... Things are going to be just just like it says in the song, you know. It's that Uchal, the original, Uchal covered by somebody else. You know, things are going to get a little bit easier, you know. When he comes home, things are going to be different, obviously, you know. And I think that's that's why he he was smiling, like you said. This this was a really cool movie, and I think is underappreciated. It's definitely undermentioned. I mean, this was... Well, if, um, I, remember, if I remember correctly, and I... Uh, I did this long ago with uh, Midnight Corey Graham. We reviewed this film on Cinema Beef long ago. One of the other reviews I, I wept during. So if you want to hear me cry during a review, 
No, you can go in the Wayback Machine and go look for the Over the Edge review. I forget what, what, what it was paired with. But I think he mentioned that um, the reason why he knew about it is because it's one of the films I think that, that Kurt Cobain would talk a lot about. Oh, yeah. You know, during, during interviews and stuff that was like, uh, you know, something that he enjoyed or something that influenced him as far as, I guess, being a, a, a member of society or whatnot. But he said that's that's what he uh, that's where he heard about it from. And that's what made him pursue it. OK, yeah. And uh, I thought I saw something about, yeah, Cobain said it basically represented or helped mold who he was as a young person. And I know he was sort of a bored kid in the middle of nowhere. But I don't think that, you know, what the, the fact this place is so isolated, you know, helped move the plot along, of course. But, you know, we, we've all had to, had that time. You, you and me were, 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 there's not a massive age gap, but there's the same feel there where, where, where you were 15, 16 years old. You, 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 you were too, you were too young to work. You were too young to drive. <laughs> shit all the time so you were just looking for stuff to get into and that that's 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 the, the vibe of this film to to a t yeah is that these kids are so goddamn relatable because we've all been there you know <laughs> aside from the bare midriffs that uh matt dylan rock so yeah, no, well. no nobody wants to see that on me that's ugly you know <laughs> i didn't really get in a lot of trouble growing oh, up was it- menial stuff you know you you'd egg somebody's house on halloween or you know you, you'd steal cigarettes from your your friend's mother lewdness jack rollin sneak thievery claw hydrating sodomy strangulation and enthusiastic corruption of the public good there was there was that one thing i, I mentioned briefly the fireworks riding in the back of a police car uh thing and that was Friends and I lighting off fireworks on sort of a yeah, sort of like a vacant lot or something near near a near a woods, and somebody called the cops saying that somebody was shooting a gun. Oh God! So uh, that was that was the time to be devious right there. That Fourth of July stuff. We we used to have bottle rocket fights with each other in, <laughs> in open fields. You know. Yep, shooting Roman candles at each other and. Yeah, man. I think I have permanent scars somewhere if I finally if I really looked for them, you know. <laughs> so l- luckily, I uh, jumped out from behind a tree and saw. My my, here come the fuzz. And one of my oh, friends shit. just took off running 
And <laughs> I, being the the me that I am, I was like, well, I haven't really done anything wrong, so there's no possible way I can get in trouble. Oh, you're wrong. I'm gonna walk up and see what's going on. So me and three of my friends, uh, it took a while for the officer to lower his gun and believe that none of us had guns. And mm -hmm. It's like, here's, here's all our fireworks and here's the lighters. And uh, so we were all put in the back of the car and driven home one by one. I was the last one uh, perfectly for this story. Um, but I really was the last one. One of the, one of the people with us was the cop's kid. Mm -hmm. So he got taken home first and it was obviously it was like, Hey, what's up? High five peace. And my dad was home. My dad was just, you know, sort of listened and he's like, Oh yes, well, uh, I'll talk to him more as, as soon as you leave. And as soon as the cop left, he said, do you have any more fireworks? And I said, no. And he said, we'll go get you more tomorrow. So yeah, that was sort of boring story that I made you all just listen to. Lucky bastard. You lucky, lucky bastard. What? From the little jailer's pet, are we? What do you mean? You must have slipped him a few shekels, eh? Slipped him a few shekels? You saw him spit in my face? Oh, what wouldn't I give to be spat at in a face? Oh, sometimes I ain't awake at night dreaming of being spat at in a face. Well, it's not exactly friendly, is it? They have me in manacles. Manacles? Oh, oh dear heaven. To be allowed to be put in manacles just for a few hours. They must think the sun shines out of your ass, Sonny. Oh, let off me. I've had a hard time. You had a hard time. I've been here five years. They only owe me the right way up yesterday. So don't you come now. Oh, you'll probably get away with crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yeah. First offense. Get away with crucifixion. How much shit can you get into when you're that age? I don't even know. It's just, there's a lot of like, you know, like these kids, random. You get to loiter a lot. That's that's about it. Lean on things and make people sort of uncomfortable. But yeah, I mean, there were there were some kids that yeah you know, went off to the hill or whatever that I never saw again. But most of them, I was happy to see go because they were kind of the the area bullies. The kid that knocked a hornet's nest down from a tree onto my head. Oh God! I remember his name. It was Mac Mackie, Mackie something. That that fucking. Uh, I've still got some scars on my back. Luckily, somebody, <laughs> somebody had a a hose nearby, like, and they threw me into a yard and hosed me off. But uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of trouble, you know, at that age, especially for a bunch of white kids. Like they were all pretty suburban or you know middle and low class white kids. Actually, come to think of it, we're. It wasn't a very diverse group in this movie. No, not really. You know, there, there wasn't one one black kid in the entire span of New Granada. But you know, like I said, it's the late seventies, so you know, you were gonna gonna get a whole lot of that. And probably this movie was made like five years later. You'd have the, the random black kid in there. You know, whose parents are probably well off to live there. Whatever. Yeah, you, you didn't see a lot of diversity in this movie at all, as far as that. It's kind of like white folks with problems, which normally I would say, oh, it's white folks with problems. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> bored by this. But usually it's when they got a lot of money, and this this movie is it's like your, your OC or your p p pick a CW drama that I can give a flying fuck about. And, uh, 
This this is different though because you can relate to the, the characters, I think. And uh, you know, it's it starting to be in the news and everything around then. The you were right; it was Mouse Packs, Kids on a Crime Spree was the title of the article in uh, the San Francisco Examiner in 1973 that the scriptwriter saw, and I think they pretty much got started right away. Sort of like the whole Wes Craven newspaper article about the Philippine immigrant that died in his sleep that helped him come up with nightmare on elm street yeah i know they were actually going to try to i think going to try to film some scenes there but it, it didn't work out for them so they, they they got a new location but they, they they picked up a lot of these kids who were not actors that they, they picked a lot of them like they found matt Dillon, you know just just hanging around you know someplace he really wasn't trying to audition but neither were a lot of these other kids and like hey you want to be in a movie kind of deal and so a lot of this was their first and maybe only movie, you know. Matt Dillon was definitely the star to come out of this, and he did. Was Rumblefish before or after Tex? I, I think I want to say it was after, but he pretty much made a living off those Essie Hinton uh, adaptations. You know, yeah. it, it's a good place to cut your teeth on. I'm, I'm not shitting on him, you know, because those are some solid movies. You you got Tex, The Outsiders, and, and Rumblefish. You know, they're, they're, they're three, although te- Texas dizzy, so it's a little bit more tame than a film like Rumblefish. But just as an ensemble, I think Rumblefish is probably the best out of, out of all those, I think. Yeah, ha- I'll have to revisit it, because I'm I'm a big uh, fan of The Outsiders. Um, it's very rare that you see Chris Penn as a tough guy and you believe that shit. That's that, all I'm saying. <laughs> that is very true. That That is extra points. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, what did Jonathan Kaplan directed a lot of movies that I've heard of. Well, not a lot, but a decent amount of movies that I've heard of and seen. But I think Standing Out is the one I've seen the most. And I think it's a movie you just watched uh, recently, Project X. Yes, I I have watched that recently and uh, I I got sad all over again, you know. Oh, that that got to radiate those got to radiate those apes, you know, such a bummer. (laughs) I. I keep almost picking that to uh, to be on here. I, I've I've bought the DVD and I I've just been sort of pushing it off. Like I'll do that. I'll do that now, eventually. Now, now that would be tough for me to talk about in this movie. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to fire off some some uh, some Hunger Games cannons for all the <laughs> great monkeys and apes. Or apes that uh, that died in that movie. Maybe do a double feature of Project X, War Games, Matthew Broderick, Cold War, uh, Hysteria movies. Oh yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> throw, throw a little Manhattan Project in there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make an atomic bomb out of dinner plates. Good for you, son. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff. But yeah, like we said, this is a pretty cool movie. We definitely say this movie's got a lot of rewatchable quality. I question you for from from a, a political standpoint on your your polit- very political podcast. You know, <laughs> if as a what, what do you think it, it makes this movie like relevant to like today's you know I, I'd say like school system to where they're just taking away like arts programs and even like 
recess for for kids for like small kids to where it, it, it just seems like it, now I'm not saying like this would happen at the school or anything, but to to, to sell a creativity with with antidepressants and just taking stuff away, it just it just seems like kids would get restless and bored, just like the kids in this movie. And I I think that a lot I think if um you know our 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 government paid more attention to this thing and not the bottom line like let's 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 make another missile yada 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 and put yeah. some money in, into the schools i think that that the kids who are don't get me wrong that they're good kids but they're getting dumber and dumber by the year public school system and that's not necessarily their fault yeah there there have been a lot of cuts made especially like you said in the arts like uh, regressive politicians are very into getting rid of public school, you know, uh, expanding the gap. The natives will get restless eventually, but there is a lot of dumbing down. There is a lot of, um, well, you don't really need that. And and you see that in a lot of school systems, they're cutting back on those programs. They're increasing class size. So it's 30 to 50 uh, students per adult. And yeah, they're cutting back money on, uh, especially with Betsy DeVos being in charge of the Department of Education right now, one mm-hmm. of the dumbest fucking people in the world. She doesn't really, she's never worked in a school. Um, yeah. She spent most of her life working on defunding public schools and promoting uh, religious private schools. And that's one of the reasons why she's latched on to the whole voucher system. It's a terrible system. Yeah. See, if, if you watch, and I'm sure you you may have watched this, uh, there was a documentary made some years back called "Waiting for, Super, for Waiting for Superman," mm-hmm. which is not about which is not about Superman at all, people. <laughs> it's about the, the the public school system and how how the charter school system works. You you have to basically you know p- pay more money for your for your kid not to be stupid, to have these smaller class sizes and to, to have all this interaction like like Darren was talking about, you know. I just think it's a big fucking joke, you know. This whole this whole charter school thing with the with the charter schools, they're yeah, they're all over the all over the map. There are some that um that do online online school, where that's basically pretty much if you apply to get in, you get in, and they they offer you know technology like computers and stuff for students, and there's ones that like you said just ratchet up the price and take who they want and teach whatever the hell they want. And it's, it's really wild that uh, this is the way things seem to be going. You know, a lot of people are trying to get rid of uh, government services and things that they themselves enjoyed. But now they're, now that they're where they are, they're trying to pull up the rope ladder and no, you don't deserve a good public education system or livable wage. You know, it's, getting on a soapbox here but um yeah well well, well, well uh, and in uh south suburban illinois the, their answer to it is uh c- kind of like tommy's answer to, to when there's too many people at his church you know we'll build an extension you know a colorful palace spare no expense man they're gonna build an extension of the school not hire any more teachers mind you but l- let's make more classrooms or, or, or let's make a bigger auditorium to do Phil put for like you said forty kids in a class for one instructor, which isn't good enough. And um, whereas those charter schools, they have like maybe like twenty kids in a class. 
Dwayne Watson from the Watch, Read, Listen show. Uh, he was a teacher for about 15, over 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the changes, uh, especially with things like standardized testing and some of the things from No Child Left Behind and stuff, just kind of, he left. He left teaching for the time it, being. It really cripples you. Because my buddy was talking about that too, about when it comes to testing time, which which in Illinois, they, in Indiana, they call it, they, I think it's called the I-step test or something. Yeah. You know, when, when, when that time comes up, your whole curriculum goes on hold. So whatever whatever hold you had on your, your, your independence as a teacher just churns the shit because of the, the standardized test that you hope, you know, they, they, they're going to do good on. Yeah, because that, that's the standard of what they should have learned by then. Which I've taken these tests. You've taken these tests. We're not all learning the same shit. That's why we're on different levels of math. Yeah. So, so, some kids take trig. Some kids take algebra. It's just that simple. You know, they're all they're all credits. To a high school student, they're all credits. You know. When I went to college, I basically had to take a couple high school math classes. Uh, before I could even take courses that counted as credit in college. That's all right. And sometimes you got to do that, you know? I, I think one of the things that would help would be to, uh, and I, a lot of states are doing it, is making at least uh, community college free for for people. I, I don't, I, I really, I don't think you have to go to college to be smart. I don't think you have to be college, go to college to get a good job. But I don't think anybody should have to go into a lifelong lasting debt to go to college. Yeah, and they're they're really easing up on that now. Which I I can if there's one thing about our government I can respect is that that they're 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 easing up on the 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 the, the burden of that educational costs. You know, it's it's sort of a sketchy path to try to put what the quote the the founding fathers said about blank because they're you know rich white slave holding men from two hundred years ago. But yes. Uh, you know, especially Thomas Jefferson, he was really big on education being necessary for a good nation, for a prosperous nation. He also thought that religion, uh, all forms of religion should be left out of school, which I think, you know, that's when we get into the things where there was, I I think, I forget her name. She was a Senator in Louisiana that helped push forward, um, a bill allowing more use of government monies in religious schools. Yeah, that's that's not right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, the, I I know people who sent their kids to those schools. They pay an arm and a leg to go there, so it's not really fair. And she she even lost her mind, and and after it went through, she came out against it because she didn't realize that it meant all religions mm. could use the funds, and she was very upset that uh, the Muslim school might try to take as much money as a Christian school. Go naturally, you know. Come on now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think our poor education system is showing up a lot in our uh, government representatives, uh, especially lately. There's definitely a divide there between the people that know or seem to know how things work and how things are going on and other people that just think that their ideas are facts. Uh, I mean, I, I I'll tell I, like I said last time on your show like I'm I'm, un, I'm un, uneducated you know as far as college goes I I I know very little about about politics I, I love these people say like oh these people got 
and, and naturalized. I was like, oh, they, they take the test. I was like, motherfucker, I'd like to see you pass that test they took. Yeah. Just, just give, give it to you right now. I, I guarantee fucking tea. I can't pass it. It's I, hard. I guarantee it. I've looked at some of the some of the questions and I yeah I I would have some I would have some trouble. I just I just know what I see, and, uh-huh. and, and, and I know what I listen to, you know, and, and I know, well I I know what the media tells me, which isn't always the best thing in the world to look at. Talking to you, Fox News. <laughs> so so I try to stay away from it. I try to watch the BBC World News, where it's kind of unbiased a little bit, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it 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 can. It can you know, much like you know, it could confuse a lot of people out there and make them lose their way. Much, much like the education thing, where I'm sure it happened a little at a time. To, to, to whereas, you know, they take away this one thing and then they just whittle away something else, whittle away something else, and people keep having more kids that have to have a place to go to school and and they don't have another local school, so they they just keep packing them in, packing them in, and you know. And, the kids are getting dumber and dumber and more and more bored. This this is this is Chicago in the summertime, baby. You know these kids they they go out and they they, they they go out in the Michigan Avenue and rob old ladies that are in broad daylight. You know these these fucking crazy kids. This is this is why either no, nobody gave a shit about them early in their life or, or or but if you don't have that you don't have that proper motivation, especially from your instructors. I mean we just lost um. Nelson Ellis, who played Lafayette on True Blood, he's mm. from where I live. He's from Dalton, Illinois, which is like two towns over where I lived when I was a kid. He gave a lot of credit to his instructors in his school for for his success, and he gave a lot back to the South Suburbs. And I've always, you know, it's tragic the way he went, you know, with the drugs or whatnot. But I, I didn't look at that. I look at you know the positive things that he did, and that was because of a solid, you know. Education. This is a guy who got into trouble, but was brought out by a, a, a good school system. Dalton isn't the best neighborhood, but you know they had instructors that led him in the right path. We all need an Edward James almost in our lives, people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me no gas. I'll jump on your face. Tattoo your chromosomes. <laughs> this is basic math, but basic math is too easy for you burros. So I'm going to teach you algebra because I'm the champ. And if the only thing you know how to do is add and subtract, you'll only be prepared to do one thing, pump gas. Hey, ripping off a gas station is better than working and working on. Orale. Orale. I'm a tough guy. Tough guys don't do math. Tough guys deep fried chicken for a living. So orale. You want a wing or a leg, man? So maybe if, if uh, we give a little bit more attention and care to teachers and educators of all forms and credentials that uh, not so many kids will go over the edge. Hoodlums, ruffians, layabouts. Uh, <laughs> Street toughs. <laughs> Street toughs. <laughs> oh, man. That was uh, fun, Darren. I'm sorry, man. That was a good time. Yeah. Uh, what are you sorry for? <laughs> never be sorry for having a good time where nobody gets hurt thanks a lot dude uh before before we go uh pimp out your shit man you got some cool stuff that you put out uh sit beef podcast with usually myself x and jamie it is uh a thing on legion podcast but they haven't been around much lately to to do the show but 
we record another one, hope, hopefully, with Jamie and X in tow. I know X is down for um, a show, possibly, this week. For Sin Beef Podcast is, is the show that that is. And we discuss three movies that are so, sort of have a, a common theme to them. I think the, the last one we put out was just me and Mike Merriman talking about uh, So Bad It's Good, where we discussed Frankenstein Island and National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. And <laughs> these are both films you should see for entirely different reasons. And it, it was a good it was a good chat between me and him. And, and uh, two minimum, minimum commentaries, which is uh, my, my very loose commentary show with um, Nudie Willis. Suzanne, whoever else decides to come on that show, all are welcome. As as Tangina said, and I say that too on that show. We're gonna program here. If you have something you guys ever want to do for two drink minimum, and you want to come on and watch the movie with, with with the peoples, come on. I I would love to have you on there. You know, sounds sounds awesome. I'm I'm bummed I missed the so bad it's good uh, one that you did with Mike. Oh, uh, we'll we'll do more of those. Trust me, those those are always a good time. Uh, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, is uh, coming back very soon with a, with a brand new co-host, Eric Bergstrom. Unfortunately, to fall out because he's uh, he has some brand new family obligations that he's trying to, to to work with, and he's getting out of the podcast game altogether. But if you guys know me, I I have lots of capable friends, and it was a short list of people that I was going to go after. And lucky for me, uh, Tim Gross from the Blood Bass and Boomsticks podcast, who's a man who loves the sequel, who loves Charles Band as much as I do, uh, decided to join me on this venture about talking about sequels and such. And we're looking forward to getting into lots of stuff. I mean, because Tim's got a vast knowledge of... of, He writes books and and blogs for for gross movie reviews. (laughs) That's his name, Gross. And... uh, (laughs) He just he loves sequels more than I do, so he'll he'll be coming up with some real wacky stuff. But I, I've put I've put uh, some stuff out in the group where I'd love to do the street the, the Street Fighter series. That's the Sonny Chiba, not the not the uh, John Claude Van Damme series. <laughs> P- possibly Sabata or or uh, whew, yeah, the, some some good spaghetti western stuff out there. The Django series has an infinite amount of official and unofficial sequels. I mean, the, the the sea is vast of of sequels that you can do, and any any old time. I'm looking forward to diving into them with Tim because Tim's a guy who who's a fun loving guy, and I'm gonna really work on us covering some new sequels, like when Wolf Cop Two comes up, which I heard her hit the hit the the festival circuit very very recently. I'm gonna get on the the horn and contact their people and see if we can get a screener and possibly nice. an interview and you know make, make a big show out of it for a big old promotional piece because was... i i know albert albert pune still still uh, merits us for our, our road to hell episode which is a film that unfortunately hardly nobody ever saw you because it doesn't have doesn't have distribution but road to hell is a sequel to streets of fire so Ooh. yeah it, it's a show that i missed i missed a lot of my shows most or all of them are on the the legion podcast network yeah sloppy uh... seconds is on um is on horophilia.com because I made a commitment to Jason. And, you know, me and him don't see eye to eye politically sometimes because he's a kind of a buffoon in a way when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. But um, I made a commitment to him, so it's going to stay in horophilia for a while. There you go. On the first episode of this show was 
don't be a dick and don't step on my blue suede shoes. Naturally. Recently, it's come out, uh, uh, suck the marrow out of life, but don't choke on the bones when we did Dead Poet Society. Uh, During one of the commentaries that will will have been out by the time uh, this episode comes out that I, doing that side side uh, series with my missus where she watches movies she's refused to, refused to watch we just did last house on the left and the, the, the original yeah <clears throat> I, I don't shit on the remake by the way i i have i have a good time with it you know it, it's 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 okay i but mm-hmm. i figured she's seen neither and, yes uh, and uh that and deliverance were the first two we did they're both turning 45 this year nice uh and the bit of knowledge that came out in that one, well, there were more than one, but uh, don't let them take you to the second location, even if it's in your own backyard. As I tell everybody, remember to duck and cover. Unless you've got any more parting words, this is where I thank everybody oh, for listening. Yeah, for... thanks. Yeah, I, I thank you for listening as well, basically. You know, come come check out the shows. Come check out all the great shows on legionpodcast.com. Yeah. We got the witch over there and Duncan over there doing their thing and lots lots of stuff with Bo Ransdell making different voices if you like that sort of thing <laughs> it's like a cool music scene where not everybody sounds the same but there's a lot of similarity a lot of uh support and uh a little bit of like health not health yeah healthy competition in a in a way you know you hear those bands that make you want to practice a little bit more often and uh a place for everyone as long as you're not a shit there's a place for you somewhere there you go Uh, Until next time, everybody, don't be a dick.